Greetings, and welcome to the East Village Times podcast. I'm your host, James Clark, and with me as usual, we have Patrick Brewer. How are you doing today, Patrick? I'm doing good, just waiting for some more news. Yeah, it's, uh, it slowly the, the news is trickling in. Um, recently, we just uh, picked up uh, Alexi Ramirez to be our shortstop which is um, not really unexpected. Uh, it seemed like it was going down between Desmond and Ramirez. Um, what are your thoughts on the Ramirez pickup? I mean, it makes sense. I, I wasn't really expecting Desmond, despite it being probably the best fit on his part because of the money involved. Um, Padres don't really seem to want to get involved in a long-term deal due to the whole Javier Guerra acquisition. So I think that, that uh, Ramirez on a, a one-year deal, which I, I've, I've heard there's an option on a second year. I'm not, I'm not, I haven't really confirmed that, but I've heard it from a few places. So um, that gives them a good two-year window, if that is the case. So I think that gives uh, Guerra enough time to develop and be fully ready. And it also uh, saves them some money in the short term because Ramirez is only $4 million, which is really that's pretty a pretty fair price for a player of of his age and I guess his struggles in recent years. So I think it, I think it makes sense for both sides. And I think there's definitely some upside there. So I think he could be a, a pretty decent player, at least in the short term. And obviously he's an upgrade over uh, Amarista. That's pretty, pretty clear. Yeah. Yeah. No, there's definitely, definitely an upgrade over Amarista. Uh, I think they chose the, the wiser route. They, they went with someone who fits the team a little better. Um, he, he generally puts the ball in play, doesn't really strike out and, is uh is pretty decent um on the field. Uh, his range is a little bit uh, to be desired, but you know if if the play is at him, he's usually going to make the play. And uh, his durability is also, I think, a, a main uh, attractive point for the for the Padres. Uh, and the fact that he's played 150 games for his whole uh, career, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. Some more some more news came out uh, today that the Padres are apparently really close to acquiring Fernando Rodney uh, to close games. Um, they obviously have a need in the back of the rota- in the back of the bullpen. So, in, what are your thoughts on Rodney and uh, whether or not he uh, he has what it takes to to have another successful year in the major leagues? I mean, he did struggle pretty pretty mightily last year, the first uh, probably four or five months before his trade uh, to the Cubs. So, I think um, there's definitely some risk there. But but with a player like that, it's like. You're kind of you're kind of banking on that risk, but you're also banking on the possibility that he rebounds. And uh, prior to 2015, he had uh, three consecutive years of really good, really good performance. Um, so I, I think that they can bank on at least some rebound from last year. And he's not going to be um, one of the best closers in the league, obviously. But the Padres at this point really don't need that. They just need a guy that's going to be there, uh, finish those games, eat those innings. And I think he, I think he fits that role, despite his his age. I mean, he's 39, so he's getting up there. He may the signs of last year may have been a little bit of a decline, but I think he still has enough left in the tank to provide a pretty good uh, option for them in in the late innings next year. What about you? What do you think? Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, I think his um, his last month or so in Chicago kind of uh, proved that he does ha- still have a little bit left in the tank. And and you're spot on with your assessment as far as what the Padres need right now. They just need some experience in the back of the of the bullpen. And you know, undoubtedly, he provides that for the team. Yeah, I think uh, I think at the cost. I mean, there's no obviously figures yet, but I don't think it's going to be a real huge deal. And I think uh, it's it's mostly probably going to be incentives. So I mean, if he performs, why not pay him? You know, it's like give him a base salary, and then uh, whether he performs or not, so you pay him for what you get. So I think I like that kind of deal better than than paying him or any reliever really a bunch of money and not having that uh, 
I guess, certainty behind whether this guy is actually going to provide good value or not. So I think it's a good deal uh, on the Padres' end and on his end as well because he, he needs a little bounce back late in his career. Yeah, no, I hear you, definitely. Um, late uh, late word came out this morning that uh, the Padres have agreed terms with Andrew Kashner and uh, Tyson Ross, uh, avoiding arbitration, which is always a good thing. Um, I think uh, both pitchers got a pretty decent deal. Um, your thoughts on their pay and uh, the fact that the Padres are slowly taking care of uh, business and rounding out their team? Um, I think Kashner was, was pretty fair, about $7 million. That's what was anticipated. Um, Ross was a little under what I guess a few people projected. It was a lot of the projections I saw were around ten million. He got I think nine point one, so it was a little uh, less than that. But I don't think a million between friends isn't really a huge deal. I think it's it's good. <laughs> it's good that they. Uh, I like that they got the deals done though without having to go through the process because it shows a good uh, commitment on both their end and the pitcher's end. Kind of just I guess getting along. There's not there's no need for like the strife of like fighting over a couple million dollars. So I, I'm glad that, that the deals got done and, and the roster seems pretty much set for next year. I mean, barring any more additions, obviously Rodney could be, could be coming on board, maybe someone else, who knows. But uh, currently I think the payroll sits about $100 million. Uh, Jeff Sanders actually tweeted out the figure this morning mm-hmm. as it currently sits with the with the recent um, signings, including Alexei Ramirez, um, obviously not including Fernando Rodney, but I think that's around where the money's going to sit, at least for now. I mean, barring any significant addition, I don't think that's going to happen, anything significant, but at least for now, that's, that's what it's looking like. Yeah, no, I I agree. I think, uh, you know, you never know with AJ Preller, but I think they're, they're comfortable with what they have right now to start the season. Um, You know, anything could happen. Obviously we don't know, but I think that they, they're pretty set with, with what they have right now uh, as far as the 25-man uh, roster. Yeah, it's, it seems like there's there's really nothing left to add, dare I say. I mean, obviously, I, I've heard some people hoping that Upton, uh, no market develops, and he comes back on a one-year deal, but I don't really see that happening. I just don't see the – I really don't see the benefit, I guess. It just seems like kind of pointless. I mean – Really, nothing to be gained from having him on the team. We're not—he's not, not going to turn us from a seventy-something win team into a contender. So, on that end, I feel like it's—it would be kind of pointless to re-sign him if, if it was on a one-year contract. Yeah, there's there's talk of that. I, I myself don't see that happening either. I, I think that uh, he's young enough where he should be able to get a multi-year contract uh, eventually from someone, or, or at least you would think. Um, you know, once again with AJ Preller, you never know. So it's it's hard to say that you know nothing will happen, but it, it just doesn't look likely at this point. I would think that they would already have had some discussions with him if they were interested in retaining him. And, and we really haven't heard anything um, in in that regard. Yeah, um, go ahead. I, I was going to say, I think there were some small talks at the beginning, but it seemed like uh, there was too much of a gulf between what Justin Upton expected on the market and what the Potters were willing to give him based on that market. So I think that, yeah, that, that ship probably already sailed maybe a few months ago. So I don't, I don't see anything happening on that front. If he does, if he does take a one year deal, which I don't see as completely out of the question, I just don't think it's going to be here. I think he'll want to play for a contender where he can make more of an impact. I mean, that's no offense to San Diego, but I don't think they're really going to be contending next year, at least obviously. So I don't think he's, he sees that as a fit, at least in the short term. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I mean, Petco's not a not a hitter's ballpark, although he did hit well here last season. I, I would think he'd want to go to a hitter's-type ballpark on a one-year deal and, and boost his value even more if if possible. Yeah, I was, I was um, seeing okay, him so, as... 
I was going to say, I was Go seeing ahead. him as a possibility for uh, Texas if he does sign a one-year deal because they seem to only be willing to go one year. And that's probably one of the best hitter parks in all of baseball. So I could see him definitely rebuilding quite a value if he played there. Yeah, no, I, I that that would be a good fit for him, a, a good hitter's ballpark and, and plenty of uh, sock around him in the lineup to, to drive in runs and, and uh, score runs as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Okay, so we're going to take a short break, and uh, when we come back, we're going to have uh, Kurt Bavaco with us. Um, we'll talk a little baseball, talk a little Padres uh, past and present. Um, so just uh, stick around, and uh, Kurt Bavaco will be with us shortly. Welcome back, Padre fans. Uh, we're here at the East Village Times podcast, and we have a special guest today with Patrick and I. Uh, we have um, Padre of past and present fame, uh, Mr. Kurt Bavacqua here with us. How are you doing, Mr. Bavacqua? I'm great. How, about, how are you guys? Uh, I'm doing fantastic. Uh, I can't speak for Patrick, but I'm, I'm doing well. I'm doing good. Just waiting for more news. <laughs> Pat, Patrick's good. I can tell by his tweets. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, you know, let's let's get right into it. What what is what's your feelings on on what the team's doing right now? What, um, as far as what direction they're headed, and and you know, what what your thoughts are on the on the uh, Alexi Ramirez uh, pickup? Well, I'm certainly glad and and happy to see him get it, get Ramirez. I know that that uh, is a position that they need on this baseball team. Uh, as much as I like uh, the ninja. Um, you know, I think he's just proven that uh, a good place for him on a baseball team is kind of a super utility type player, being able to play a few different positions. Um, mm-hmm. You know, he did a pretty good job, but he's just the kind of player that uh, is just going to be a utility type player, unfortunately. And trust me, I hate to say that. I hate to put that label on somebody, uh-huh. but I guess I could see what they were talking about when I was playing and. A lot of other people have fell in that category uh, as a as a major league baseball player. Yeah. So so what do you think that the organization's headed in the right direction, or do you think they're kind of in limbo right now, or, or you know we've been using that word rebuilding? I, what, what's I, your? You know, I'm going to stay away from rebuilding only because of the fact that I think they made some moves that were necessary. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it freed up some salary for them. Um, I think they made a good deal with this Ramirez deal. Um, I think they got a uh, a guy that could come in. He could do the job for a year or two. Uh, they've got some pretty good young talent down in the minor league system, uh, even with the trade of Trey Turner last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've got some shortstops now in their minor league system that could become really, really good uh, everyday baseball players. Uh, at the major league level, but they're a year or two away, probably more like two. So, you know, I I can't really tell you what A.J. Preller has on his mind. I don't think anybody can, matter of fact. He's yeah, uh, he's quite the guy. He, he uh, you know, he came out gangbusters last year with all the deals that he made. And then this year, everything's been pretty quiet. But I think because of what he did last year, 
I think it just has everybody sitting on the edge of their seat wondering if the ball could drop at any time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, I think that's exactly the sentiment that the Padre fans have. They don't want to write off the season yet because anything can happen. I mean, he could just go on a trade flurry and, and just, you know, get the team back into into shape. So it's kind of hard to to say that the season's lost at this point. It is January, so it's a little early to, to make those assumptions, I, w- I would think. Well... You can't write a team off in January for mm-hmm. uh, competing at the major league level throughout the course of the summer. You know, I've seen I've seen that happen in the past, and uh, teams go on and win pennants and division championships. So mm-hmm. uh, I'm not saying that the Padres are going to do that, or they're even in a position to do that. But the 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 one way that they can compete uh, in the National League and the National League West in particular is for their pitching to go back to 2014 mm-hmm. and not go back to 2015. You know, they lost a couple of guys. Uh, they traded away a couple of guys, uh, and they got some good players back uh, for Kimbrel. Uh, they got, uh, you know, good players back for Benoit. Uh, but that was the back end of their bullpen. So they need to find uh, from within – uh, mm-hmm. or the signing of Villanueva uh, will certainly help a little bit if he can come through. The uh, This ball club, I think, has the arms on the pitching staff right now to fill those roles. Uh, it's just a matter of how everything shakes out come spring training at the beginning of the season. Yeah, I, I agree with you there, Kurt. I think they have a lot of uh, young talent in the uh, bullpen. you got John Edwards, um, Rule 5 pickups, uh, uh, Smith and Martin. Um, you have Quackenbush and Vincent returning. Um, obviously, you mentioned Villanueva. If we sign Rodney, I think there's a good mix of both veteran talent and young talent. I think that it could still be a good bullpen, even without Kimbrell, Benoit, and if Maurer actually does make the transition to the starting rotation. I feel like there's still enough talent there. And like you said, you can't really write a team off in January. There's there's still a lot to be done, um, a lot of development in spring training. Things obviously change. So I think that you make a good point there about I guess having a more wait and see approach, at least for the next uh, month or two. You know, I, I think there's, you know, a couple of more pressing issues on this ball club other than uh, who's going to fill roles on their pitching staff. Mm-hmm. I still, I still think they have great arms on this pitching staff, and it's mm-hmm. just a matter of what they're going to do and how things are going to shake out uh, with the rest of the team. I mean, who's going to play first? Uh, let's yeah. go back to Abbott and Costello. Who's on first? Who's going to play second? You know, we know that you know Herbert Solarte is uh, is probably the guy uh, that is going to be the third baseman for this ball club, and we know now that uh, Ramirez is going to be the shortstop. So you got the left side of the infield taken care of. Um, I mean, have they given Corey Spangerberg the second base job? Uh, I don't know if they can do that, uh, or if they feel comfortable doing that. I think he's the kind of player that's spunky. Uh, I think he's the kind of player that can go out and, uh, and do a pretty decent job for you. But there was time last year, there was a time last year where I said, you know, I don't think this guy's an everyday player. And then he surprised me. So I'm kind of looking forward to seeing what Corey Spangenberg we're going to see at the beginning of the season this year and what the ball club's going to do if, in fact, they're not the Corey Spangenberg that they want to see at the beginning of the year. Mm-hmm. 
You bring up a good point. I mean, being that Spangenberg was a number one pick, he has the ability to be something special, but the Padres don't exactly know what that is at this point. And, and a lot of it has to do with, with um, you know, Spangenberg stepping up, uh, the pitching staff, as you mentioned, stepping up. You know, there's going to be a lot of accountability that's going to be needed on this team. And a lot of people are going to have to, you know, buckle up their, their britches and, and, you know, put the work in, if you will. Oh, no, it's, you know, they... You know, show me. I'm from Show Me State. Mm-hmm. Uh, my mom always used to say that when I was young, and I never knew what the hell she was talking about. But <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm, I'm right there with her now. And you know, the ball club still has the same catching situation that it had at the end of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, it seemed as much as everybody loves Norris, it seemed like he broke down a little bit towards the end of the year. Mm-hmm. And maybe yeah. broke down is not the right terminology. Uh, but he wasn't used to catching as many games as he did. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know if it was fair uh, to the player uh, for this ball club to call up a young talent and have him sit um, as much as uh, – can't even – I'm lost for his, his name now. Hedges. Hedges, yeah. Hedges, Austin Hedges. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I was, I was scratching my head for weeks, wondering what they were going to do with this guy, mm-hmm. uh, knowing that um, that they had gotten rid of the catcher that uh, that was the backup, and that uh, they were going to have to rely on somebody to get some playing time before the end of the year was going to happen, because you just can't send a catcher out every day, and with the schedule that a major league baseball team has. You know, expect them to catch every day. Yeah, yeah. Day game, you know, night uh, day games after night games, uh, uh, travel days from uh, when you uh, caught an extra inning game. I mean, it's a pretty grueling deal. And Norris is a tough guy. Yeah. But I, you know, I think it started to wear on him a little bit. And uh, you know, thankfully Hedges went in and did a pretty good job. But I tell you what, I I just don't think he's ready yet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's a big reason of why they went out and got uh, Christian Betancourt from Atlanta. I feel like, I think he's now slated to be the backup, probably, given that he has no minor league options. So I think that that, that leaves Hedges probably back in AAA, at least for the start of next season. So I think that gives him more time to develop, because I, I agree with you that he didn't seem ready, and I don't think that A.J. Preller and company see him as being ready either. So I think it makes sense to give him a little more, I guess you could say, seasoning down in the minor leagues. And also Betancourt lets Norris take a little more rest so he doesn't have to catch 130, 140 games next year. He can maybe do 100, 110. So I think they can do a more, uh, not an even split, obviously, but I think Norris can definitely have more time off uh, overall. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I think that whole scenario that you just, you just went over is, is much fairer, not only to uh, – to Betancourt and uh, and also Norris, but it, it hedges in particular because yeah, he's yeah. he's really got an opportunity to be a special player, and he just has has to learn it at the major league level, mm-hmm. and being forced into it is not the way to learn. It. Definitely, no. Yeah, I agree with you. Who's going to play in the outfield with this ball club? That's what I was just going to ask you. What are, what are your thoughts yeah. on the outfield? I guess both center field and left field are both kind of question marks at this point with John Jay there. Uh, Travis Jankowski may be coming back up. Uh, Jabari Blosh, the Rule 5 pick. Uh, Melvin Upton, obviously, still around. So uh, what are your thoughts on that? 
Well, I, you know, Melvin Upton's going to be in a Padre uniform unless they decide to eat his contract. Mm-hmm. And I just don't know if they're in a position to do that right now. Plus, he brought some talent to this baseball team last year. I agree. Yeah, he did. So I kind of liked what I saw of Melvin Upton. And if he goes out there and he starts off just the way he ended last year, um, you know, I think he brings a silent leadership. Uh, if guys really dissect what he what he's doing and the different things that he tries to do in certain situations, I mean, here's a guy that's making 15 million bucks a year. You don't see guys like that go to the plate and try to bunt for a base hit. Mm-hmm. That's all yeah. there is to it. You just do not see it at the major league level anymore. He did that last year. Um, he is the kind of player, and I learned this last year, because I was kind of suspect the first couple of games I watched him play in a fa- in the fact that he does everything with such ease. He almost looks like he's not given 100%. Yeah, definitely. And he is given 100%, but he's a natural athlete that, like I said earlier, he does stuff with such ease that it doesn't look like he is given 100%. But he is. Um he breaks back on when he when there's a ball hit over his head, it as crazy as this sound, Melvin Upton Jr. knows whether he's going to be able to catch it, I think, within the first second of when the ball leaves the bat. And if you watch him play the outfield, you'll notice that. Any ball that's hit in center field or or in either one of the gaps, if he's going to get to it, he's going. If he if he knows he's not going to get to it, He'll just put his head down, and he'll go towards the ball's going to go because he knows he's going to have to retrieve it and get it back into the infield. I mean, that's how good this guy is in the outfield. So I'm hoping that if he can get anywhere near the form that he had when he was in Tampa Bay, then this ball club can do a lot of things with the guys that they have in the outfield with the uh, with the adding of John Jay, uh, Melvin Upton Jr., uh, the Rule 5 guys that they have in the outfield, I don't know where Travis Jankowski fits in that mix. I know he's a good young talent. I enjoyed watching him play last year. But you know Matt Kemp's going to be there. And, you know, Andy Green's going to have a good time this spring, figuring out what to do with the guys he's got on this roster. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's definitely a, a work in progress, and there's definitely a, a bunch of different moving pieces that can go into different places. And, you know, it, it – it seems like we're a little better uh, defensively this season than last season with the pieces that we have. Um, it seemed like last season they were trying to fit a, a, a round peg into a square hole, if you will, and I feel a little more comfortable that the defense is going to be a little more adequate this season, so that's definitely a positive. Well, you know, Norris came here with the reputation of not that great of a defensive player. Mm-hmm. I don't know where the hell that came from. Because I think he did a great job, you know, mm-hmm. throwing out base runners with when you've got Tyson Ross on your staff and a couple of other guys that don't have the greatest move to first base and take time going to home. When you throw out the number and the percentage of base runners that Derek Norris did last year and, and, and you know, Austin Hedge is also, to be fair, um, they did a magnificent job. I mean, the three of us could steal off Tyson Ross. 
<laughs> yeah. So that that's not good, especially me. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> but you know, but he's got he's just got some. He, his stuff is so good mm-hmm. that he can almost let guys steal. Yeah. Uh, when Tyson is on, he's so much fun to watch. Uh, and, you know, I wouldn't want any part of him hitting because of the, of the stuff he has, the movements on his ball and that nasty slider that he has. So, yeah, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to, uh, you know, Shields coming back, hopefully, and, uh, and, and being able to lead like he did last year and will continue to do because that's the type of player that he is. Uh, I don't know what this ball club's really going to do with Kashner. Um, I kind of thought that he might be the odd man out on the pitching staff, mm-hmm. but it really doesn't look that way unless some of the younger kids really step up and make it a possibility for AJ to make some deals uh, to strengthen the ball club as the season goes on. Mm-hmm. So I'm anxious to see what happens. I really am. I'm looking forward to spring training. Yeah, I yeah, think there's a lot of potential scenarios that can play out in the rotation because you obviously have Colin Ray, who's pretty much proven last year that he can be a back of the rotation starter. We have Brandon Morrow that was re-signed, so he's he's proven that same role if he can stay healthy, which is obviously a big if based on last year. Um, Brandon Maher's going to play a part there at some point in spring training. So I think there's a lot of scenarios that could play out, and they do have a lot of options, which is always good to have options. So I, I like that part of it at least. Options are a good thing, especially when it comes to pitching. Never have yeah. too many pitchers. <laughs> That's, that is for sure. Definitely. Um, okay, Mr. Vivaco, I'm going to change gears on you a little bit. I'd like to talk uh, a little bit about chemistry and more in particular the 84 team and, and the chemistry that that, uh, that team had in the clubhouse. Well, um, you know, when you talk about chemistry, I don't think a person on the outside that – has really never been involved with an athletic team, can relate. You know, they kind of listen and very polite. And, but it almost likes, looks like most people go ahead, go away from a conversation like that, scratching their head a little bit because they, they don't know quite what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. And you know why? Because it's hard to explain. Okay. And even for someone that, can see the difference in the chemistry with the baseball team. It, you know, I think the Los Angeles Dodgers don't have the chemistry that they need to be an over-the-top, crazy good baseball team. Yeah, I agree. We all knew that something was going on in Washington last year and why that team wasn't winning. Yeah. And it's very evident now that the team didn't have good chemistry. Mm-hmm. And that was the reason that team didn't win. So if you, if you go to a ball club, like go going back to 84, you, you know, you can go and look at the San Francisco giant baseball team. Mm-hmm. And you can see that that baseball team has good chemistry. When you walk into the locker room, you can tell that these guys like one another. The coaching staff, how they integrate into the locker room with the team. Uh, The manager, uh, the way the players 
kind of jive with the manager before, even during, and I'm sure after the games, even though I'm not around that all the time. Um, that makes for, for a good baseball team, and it makes for chemistry. And if you ask me the definition of chemistry, I don't know if I'd be able to give you do a great job at it, but I would think it's the right combination of people being put on the same team, and it doesn't matter what team it is, that truly like one another, that truly want to see the other person successful, and that has their back. Mm-hmm. And when you have those ingredients on any athletic team, you're going to have a team that's got a chance to go out and win and compete. Yeah. No, you, I think you put the, the nail on the head as far as the Nationals and the Dodgers uh, issues. You know, when a team has so much talent and it's not performing, there's no other, you know, there's nothing else to put your finger on than than chemistry. And, and in, in a team sport like baseball where you have to play all together as one, it's, you know, chemistry is, is the most important uh, aspect that it's, you know, no saber matrician can, can point their finger on and, and, and figure out, out exactly what it is. No, yeah. that you know your uh, your analytic guys can't can't do that. No, uh, you know they can do they can do all the other stuff and they can figure out the, the shifts to do and uh, what the war is on pitchers and players. And, but you can't look in a computer system and see the heart and soul and desire uh, of a of an athlete of a baseball player. Uh, by looking at a computer. And that's that's one of the aspects that's lost from being able to scout a player. You know, you can watch a guy from afar and put all the statistics into a computer, but there's something missing. I mean, we see it day in, you know, we see it year in and year out and almost on a daily basis with different players that you, you go, wonder why this guy didn't make it. Mm-hmm. I wonder why this guy does what he does in certain situations. He's not supposed to be that good. You know, so it's both sides of the coin. It's not just, I wonder why Bush didn't make it in a Padre organization, mm-hmm. being the number one draft choice. And it's all the way on the other side of, how can Tim Flannery play as good as he did all the years that he did in a Padre uniform? <laughs> with the ability he had when he first signed. Yeah. And it's all about being surrounded by people that you like and people that like you and you knowing it and having a good time and your coaching staff having confidence in you and you seeing it opposed to having a label put on you that people are afraid to approach you and People make comments that are not that nice, and you might hear about it. Um, it calls for dissension, and when you have dissension on a team, you're not going to win. That's all there is to it. Yeah, no, I, I hear you. you the chemistry is, is a is a factor that's just not accounted for, and it, like you say, there's just no way to describe it. It's it's a it's a it's a feeling. It's a it's it's just indescribable. I, I I'm I'm in the same boat. I, I don't know how to describe it and how to 
you know it's a recipe that can't be made by by anybody it's it's something that just kind of has to happen uh within a team um you know i tony gwynn uh made a, a comment about you uh one of his quotes says that he makes it easier to come to the ballpark when he referred to you in particular um do you have anything any special stories about tony or you know you know i, I, I appreciate um hearing things like that and i i remember when tony said that and uh i tell you what if i was tony gwynn i couldn't wait to get to the ballpark <laughs> i mean I, you you know you're gonna get three hits that night <laughs> yeah seriously. that's kind of fun coming to the ballpark but yeah. you know i think what tony was talking about you know tony was one of those guys that just liked to sit in the locker room and sit on the plane and sit in the back of the bus and just listen to all the crap that went on on a daily basis that has to do with a major league baseball team or a professional sports team, just all the camaraderie and all the jiving back and forth that guys do um, Mm -hmm. at that level. And it's, you know, there, there were, there were a few guys on our team that, uh, just made you look forward to coming to the ballpark. I mean, you know, we used to go to the ballpark at like noon. Wow. And we would play cards. We had a group of somewhere between six and eight, nine guys that would play. uh, We'd play cards and we just loved it. Wow. And, you know, guys would, if they weren't in the game that day, they'd sit and watch and, um, and they just wait, they'd wait to get into the game. Um, Tony used to be one of those guys. He, he got into the game, uh, after a while, after sitting there and listening, um, you know, Bobby Brown coach and, and Tony got involved and Booker was in it. And, um, you know, we, we just had so much fun just going to the ballpark and and couldn't wait to get to the ballpark uh, because we knew we had something to share with one another uh, more than playing baseball that night. Uh, You know, we'd go, we'd go out together, uh, whether it be dinner or to go out and have a drink after the game or have a nice uh, uh, supper in Chicago uh, after the day game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then retiring at a decent hour so you can get up early in the morning and catch 8.30 buses, which was always a killer in Chicago <laughs> uh, before they had lights. I so, can imagine. You know, all of those things, uh, you know, I think relate to what Tony meant uh, when he said he makes it easier going to the ballpark. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it, you know, we all miss Tony. And, uh, you know, I, in particular, um, and everybody talks about it, um, his laugh. Yes. Uh, because they heard it so much. Mm-hmm. And you knew and who it was, was, right? Exactly. His laugh was so distinctive. And, and like I said, you heard it all the time because there yeah. was always something going on <laughs> that, caught, that called for a laugh. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if it wasn't something that Bobby Brown said um, or Champ, or if it wasn't for Ed Whitson going after somebody or me going after 
uh, Wiggins or, um, mm-hmm. you know, as soon as the, the seriousness of the situation was over, people are laughing. And that's what made us good because we could be at one another's throat one minute and then back playing cards and joking with one another the next minute. Mm-hmm. Like brothers, basically. You know what? That's that's exactly the way it was. Mm-hmm. That's 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 a special thing. That sure that surely is. It, it really is. And you know, you I look back on that team, and I just can't believe how many guys are gone already. Yeah, it's yeah. amazing. Yeah, I, I've talked to Barry Bloom, and uh, he's he's men- made mention of that to me a couple of times of the amount of uh, coaches and, and players that are gone off that team, and it is. It's it is a shame. It is a shame. It is. That's why I like um, uh, alumni get-togethers at the ballpark. Yeah, you know, I was going to ask you about the Padres uh, Social Hour Alumni Roundtable. Have you heard anything with them as far as uh, continuing that? I really enjoy. No, I have. Uh, okay. I I have not. Uh, I don't even think they know um, who the, the new host is, yeah. of, of the. Uh, of the pregame show. Okay. Okay. Which is the, you know, social hour that we do a couple of times a week. And then, uh, and then I do the, uh, the Saturday night show. I don't, I don't, I don't know. I'm waiting to hear from Wayne Partello. Um, I know I'm going to meet with Mike D next week, or I should say week and a half from now. Uh, okay. and we're going to talk about a few things. Uh, you know, it's Wayne Partello's call on the on the TV stuff. Um, mm-hmm. I know that uh, there was talk of possibly adding a show. Um, oh, okay. On a uh, on a Monday, Tuesday, or Wednesday, uh, because of programming possibilities there. So uh, we'll just wait and see. You know, I yeah. certainly hope well, so. I enjoyed it. The people listening seemed to enjoy it and watching. Yeah, and I. I, I, I I so we, have to, we have to put out a uh, an APB on um, doing the uh, alumni roundtable show again. Okay, I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna have to tweet at uh, Portello and, and get him on that. There you go. Okay, uh, you know I'm I'm fascinated uh, with your Baseball Gold uh, periodical, your magazine that you used to uh, public public and. Uh, with Fred Rogers in in the eighties, um, you know, talk to me about that. And in, in my in my estimation, it was one of the first uh, of its kind, really. Uh, you know, kind of like a blog, if you will, um, back in the day. You know, it, it, you look back at some things that you've done, and and, it, and you go, hmm, that was before its time. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, I think baseball goal was one of those things. Uh, we actually had the idea, you know, back around this 81, 82 timeframe. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Fred and I were friends, uh, still are. And, uh, baseball goal was born and it, uh, you know, Fred and I did it. And, uh, we had Marty Mann that was the photographer. Um, Fred did, you know, Fred took the pictures along with Marty, but, um, uh, you know, we had a couple of people in, uh, on staff, and 
the the whole idea was not only to do a newspaper uh, about the San Diego Padres baseball team, mm-hmm. but we kind of put together a strategy and a marketing plan to put together a magazine that you could have regional coverage on and that you could change the cover and maybe a story or two inside Mm -hmm. and do it for a lot of different teams. So I flew to Chicago and sat down with the Cubs and threw out our proposal to them. Mm-hmm. And what we wanted to do with these clubs, with these different baseball teams, was go out to all their season ticket holders. Okay. Because right away you set down a pretty nice subscription base. And that's what we did here uh, with the San Diego Padre uh, baseball team is we made an agreement with them uh, to send out baseball gold to all the season ticket holders. And then we also distributed at the ballpark. uh, You know, Fred and I, I was playing and delivering baseball gold magazines to all the 7-Elevens in San Diego County out of the back of my Mercedes. (laughs) And I got to tell you something. That was a pain in the rear end. (laughs) because there was no GPS at the time. (laughs) And we had, we got a letter from uh, Southland Corporation, which is the corporate level of 7-Eleven that we could distribute through all the 7-Eleven stores. But the trick is that they're franchised and they're privately owned. And even though there, it's almost like a McDonald's. You know, if you get a letter from Chicago from the board of directors at McDonald's saying that you can do this at all the McDonald's locations, you have to go in and you have to talk to the owner of each location before you can go in there and throw your wares up. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we'd go in with this letter from Southland and these people would be looking at us like we were nuts. But we got into a lot of 7-Elevens and, uh, we started getting into other locations and, you know, we found out the game was getting up by the cash register. Mm. And, you know, that was a game that was hard to win because of the power of the power of the people, people magazine, uh, the, uh, the national Enquirer, uh, you know, those types of publications that you see at the front of the food store. Well, they're there for a reason. They're there because they pay to be there. And they know that people are just going to pick up their publication as they leave. So to make a long story short, we we brought this concept to Chicago. Uh, We were going to bring it to L.A. We're going to bring it to New York, Milwaukee. And uh, the next thing I knew, there was a newspaper being published by the Cubs called Vine Lines. So they just basically took everything that, we went in and proposed and they did it themselves. Nice. And I think it's still being published today. Wow. 
So, yeah, yeah, it was kind of a bummer. I was kind of ticked off. I wanted to kill the cup after that. So (laughs) when we beat him in 84, it was all good. Yeah, there you go. You got your revenge in 84. That's exactly right. Yeah. But it was fun. I mean, you know, we did – Fred is – I tell you what, he's a crazy baseball person. Mm -hmm. Uh, I mean, he – you know, he's a a member of Sabre. He's got – Fred has the largest collection of sporting newses in the world. Wow. I'm not just talking about in Southern California. I mean, if if sporting news needs, he has binded, fully binded copies of sporting news that are in a library. And you know what? You want to know how crazy he really is? This is a guy that you should interview. You know how crazy he really is? It's it's in his computer. (laughs) So, yeah. I mean, it's nuts. And, you know, we've come out with different ideas on doing different things with uh, with players from the past. Because if you remember, the sporting news used to be the Bible of baseball. I oh, mean, yeah. there was, sure. yeah, if, if there was a page or two in the back of the sporting news uh, devoted to other sports, it was a miracle. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you picked up a sporting news when you were in the minor leagues. And you were able to find out exactly what everybody in your organization was doing. Yeah, it was it was state of the art definitely at the time. Oh, it was so great. I mean, I, I I loved being able to pick up a sporting news and seeing my name in the top ten of you know hitters in the American Association or the Southern League. Yeah. Uh, and in the winter time, they covered the winter leagues. So. You know, I don't think they do it like that anymore, but, you know, because of social media and online and all of that stuff. But uh, yeah. I tell you, it was great. And now Fred, I mean, he they're they're all binded. He's got them in beautiful sporting news cover, binded covers. And mm-hmm. it's crazy. I'm talking about, like, going back to the 20s and 30s. When it, whenever yeah. sporting news first started, might be in the 30s sometime. He he literally has the paper, the newspaper. It's amazing. That's that's it, quite it really a is amazing. I mean, it really is. And if you went into his house and uh and went into the library section of his house, you'd 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 see him. There's this whole section, it's green. And it's <laughs> the binded, it's the outside of the binders. And they're probably each one of them. Uh, as you look at it, it's probably uh, you know six to eight inches wide, and it's the size of a you know of a an old sporting news, not the new ones. Um, yeah, the yeah the good the oversized ones. Yeah, that's man. That is that is quite a collection right all, there. He's got them all there. It's that's uh, amazing. <laughs> it is. When when was your last uh, publication of Baseball Gold? What what year? Oh boy, I think it was like uh, somewhere around eighty six, eighty seven. Okay, okay. We we you, were you never thought we were, about. We were kind of ticked oh. off when uh, 
when we brought the ideas to the different clubs and uh, and nothing materialized, especially when, she, when the Cubs went and did it on their own. Yeah. You know, we kind of thought that was really the first market that I went to. And so my thought process was, you know, you know what, Fred, if they do or if they did what they do, uh, then all the rest of the clubs are going to do it also. Yeah. Yeah, unfortunately, that's that's correct. They 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 stole a good idea from you then. Well, they yeah. At so, the, so was, in in, was in there... parallel to us doing this and to us thinking about doing it, mm-hmm. a, a newspaper called USA was coming out, <laughs> and I don't know uh, if you guys knew know about that or, or were around even. Uh, when USA first started uh, publishing and sending out newspapers and you thought to yourself, these guys must be nuts. <laughs> you know, sending out a, a thin newspaper like this uh, and and putting it in the markets where they have major publications. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the meantime, look where they are now. Yeah, exactly. And it all the look at all the newspapers that were either gobbled up by a publishing house or aren't in existence existence anymore. But um, if you walk into a Marriott or Hilton or Four Seasons, uh, you're going to see a stack of USA Todays on there and you see them on every airplane and you see them at every airport and people are buying them and they probably have a publication number of a few million uh, every day. It's crazy. Definitely. Definitely. Um, all right. I think we're, we're running a little bit, a little bit over. We, we've got so much to talk to you about. Um, usually happens. Basically... <laughs> yeah. yeah, it tends you, to happen. You're, you're, yeah. You're, you're definitely full of information and, and I, you know, we just scratched the surface on, on some of the questions, but you know, unfortunately we're not going to have much more time. Um, you know, is there anything in particular you want to talk to, um, us about Padre fans or, or a message you want to give Padre fans that are listening right now? Uh, is the last kind of a send off. You know what? I'm looking forward to the season, even though right now it kind of seems like we're kind of trying to figure out which way they're going to go. But there are, there are a lot of things that are going on that are going to be exciting this coming year. I mean, 2016 is going to bring the all-star game to San Diego. I think Mm -hmm. people have really something to look forward to there. You know, I think this ball club's ownership is, uh, is hell bent on fielding a winning team. I think they're going to do it. Uh, mm-hmm. If not this year, then soon after. Um, you know, we're working on, uh, you know, I'm working on a project with uh, a winery up in uh, Temecula. And uh, okay. we're working on uh, something called the Legend Series of Wines, in which we're nice. uh, producing a limited uh, number of bottles of certain wines, the first three that are going to come out is going to be Trevor Hoffman, Raleigh Fingers, and Goose Gossage. Wow. Nice. <laughs> uh, and there'll only be uh, 601 bottles produced of Trevor, uh, okay. 341 of Raleigh, and 310 of Goose. Wow. And you know why those numbers are out there, because that's the number of saves that they have. Of course. Uh, <laughs> we've got uh, Gene Locklear has done the art for the labels. Okay. Uh, I was up in uh, I was up at Wilson Creek yesterday. 
uh, going through their production line and in their back room and uh, uh, with their wine guy, Gus. And uh, we're looking forward to this project. Uh, there's been a lot of work that's gone into it. Uh, Trevor's excited about going up and selecting the uh, the red wine that's going to go into his bottle. And uh, mm-hmm. we're going to have uh, we're going to have more information on this real soon coming up. So great. We, you, we look uh, forward to. Yeah. Throw the word out there when you see it. And uh, I'll Definitely. let you guys know. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, we're looking right. forward to it. It's going to be uh, it's going to be a nice collector's piece. Plus, the wine's going to be good. <laughs> that's always good. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Patrick, did you have anything else uh, for Mr. Bavakwa before we uh, head out out of here? No, I just want to say thanks for coming on. It was really enlightening talking to you and getting your perspective on things. No, thank you, Patrick. And James, I appreciate the time. Uh, Thanks for thinking of me. And uh, let's do it again. If we didn't cover everything today, we'll do it again. Sounds good to me. Definitely. It sounds sounds like we're going to have a a part two for uh, Mr. Bavakwa on the podcast. Uh, there There's you go. Definitely a lot to be covered, and uh, you know, I, I, I just like I said, I just scratched the surface of, of what I have to ask you. You were you were one of my favorite Padres growing up, and and I, I have a lot of respect for you that you're still in in the area and still covering the the team that uh, that we both love. Thanks, James. I appreciate that. And uh, like I said, Patrick, thank you. And James, next time we do the interview, I'll just be Kurt. <laughs> okay. okay, Kurt. Thank you so much. Right, there uh, you go. All right. Have a good one, Kurt. Yeah, you too. Take it easy, guys. All right, bye. Uh, well, folks, there you have it. We uh, wrapping up our, our interview with uh, Mr. Bavaco. He's a, a wealth of knowledge of, of both the Padre past and, and present uh, history. Um, you know, we had a great time talking to him. It sounds like uh, we'll be doing uh, another uh, podcast shortly with him. Um, Patrick, do you have anything uh, you'd like to add before we get out of here? Uh, no, it was great talking to Kurt. Um looking forward to some more moves today hopefully the Rodney signing gets done uh, we'll see what else AJ Preller has up his sleeve and uh, we'll keep you posted over at uh, EVT yes thank you so much for listening um, East Village Times podcast signing out mm-hmm.